Hi everyone, welcome to the Amanda Podcast. I'm your host Dio and today's episode is hopefully going to be a little bit more positive than the last one. Um, I'd said at the end of my first podcast, which was about trying to explain Black Lives Matter and police brutality, that I had hoped that things would change. And today what I wanted to do with this episode is to give you a little bit of hope as well. So I did some research, I read some articles, which you all know I love if you listen to the last one, um, and I looked at what organisations, countries and other individuals have been doing to try and improve the situation. I think at times like this, it can be really easy to focus on the negatives, focus on what's going wrong with the world. And like I said last time, it is good to look and, you know, identify the problem because without knowing it, you can't fix it. However, I think it's really easy to get caught up in all the wrongs and feel a sense of hopelessness. Like you feel like, is anything ever going to change? And that can be really, really difficult to deal with. Hopefully the examples that I give you today will show you that all the work that we've been doing, the protesting, etc., actually does pay off and motivate people to keep going and get involved and, or even just feel a little bit less like giving up. Um, and then in the second part, I want to do my bit to help out as well. So we saw in the UK that stop and search is something that really affects ethnic minorities. And even if you're not an ethnic minority, I think as young people, it's really, really important for us to know our rights. So I've looked at the stop and search laws to try and explain why the police may stop you, what their powers are, what they can and cannot do, and what you can do during the stop and search and after um, if you feel wrong in terms of, you know, how you can complain and who you can complain to. So the first thing I want to talk about is the response to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's deaths. I don't think I've seen a response this big and this global before. Like usually it feels like black people are the ones, you know, fighting, the ones complaining, campaigning and the ones protesting and demanding change. And the rage usually doesn't really go past the country that the incident occurred in. But this time the response has literally been global. Um, And one of the biggest reasons for that has been social media. After George Floyd was killed, the response was literally almost instant. People had stories up sharing their sentiments. There was countless, like so much information on how to help from signing petitions, how to donate, letters to send to attorneys and councilmen, like solidarity from a lot of people, you know, the Blackout Tuesday Square. Um, I had personally found it really difficult to cope at that time. So I took like a social media detox. I just deleted all the apps because it was just getting too much for me. But a lot of my friends showed me all the good things that were happening. And when I got my apps back, it was kind of, it was really comforting to know that people actually cared, you know. Um, and since then, I've seen information and facts being circulated in like easy to read chunks, like bite-sized things. So like posts with statistics, historical information, like things that we don't learn about in school or unless you go look them up yourself and like are bothered to read the articles like I am. Do you know what I mean? What it says to me is that even though progress is slow, it's there. And what it says to me is that social media can be a real driving force for change, you know? And I think what the use of social media shows is how resourceful we are you know, as a generation and, you know, even generations a bit older than us, like we're using what we can and what we know to try and make that difference. And that's a really good sign. And then if we look at global protests and marches, I find this website, which kind of, it like tracks where Black Lives Matter protests are going on. And as of when I'm making this podcast, there have been 4,211 cities or towns with protests 
and this is worldwide since the 25th of May, there was literally, there was not a single continent missing. And there were so many countries that I honestly, I really didn't expect to, you know, participate, not because I don't think they care, but because, you know, black communities there aren't that big, do you know what I'm saying? But there were countries that, you know, like Japan, Sri Lanka, South Korea, Slovakia, Hungary. I think like K-pop artists even donated. One of them donated like $1 million and then their fans matched it. Like, this is incredible. I'm not saying that, you know, okay, cool, work is done, everything's dropped. But like, this is a huge difference from things that we've seen in the past where it's like you get news coverage of you know like one particular country and you know everybody's talking about it and tweeting about it but everyone is taking part and that is really really positive i'm fully aware there's still a lot of work to do oh my god there's tons but with this kind of response i think there is going to be like some real change another thing is like the love that I personally received from my friends, you know, like some of them went to protests in Belfast, in Italy, Germany. Some of them just like messaged me, you know, like messages of support and told me they loved me, offered their shoulders to cry on or just wanting to listen to what I had to say. You know, um, my best friend wrote a whole article on white privilege on her blog, even though I knew she was afraid to get something wrong or she didn't want to feel like she was high and mighty, but she was brave enough to write it and like post it up, you know? Um, and it was really nice for me and comforting for me knowing that I was lucky enough to have people like this around me. Um, and knowing that people like my friends exist, there are tons of people like my friends in the world constantly doing what they can to make that difference. And that's enough to show that change is entirely possible and it's already happening. I think it's really important as well not to underestimate how much just comforting a friend or someone you know is, how valuable that is. I mean, at least to me anyway. Times like this are really, really dark for black people. Obviously they're dark for everyone, but for us in particular, for obvious reasons. And I think just having a little bit of comfort from those around you goes a really long way. So personal thank you to my friends and a big thank you to anyone who's comforted their friends as well or their family members, because it's a rough time. And knowing that there are people around you who will be there to, you know, listen to you and love you and support you is a really big deal. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to telling you about things that have been proposed, things that have happened to try and actually, you know, implement some real change. I'm focusing mostly on the US and the UK. The US because it was, you know, the most affected by the deaths and the UK because, you know, it's good to see the country that I live in, what they're doing to make a difference, you know? So the first article is from Elle magazine um, and there is a whole list of things here and the other one's from CNN. So in Elle magazine, it said on Tuesday, the 9th of June, the US Democrats in Congress proposed legislation to reform American police, which would facilitate the prosecution of police for misconduct, ban chokeholds and address racism. Um, in Minneapolis on the Friday, the 5th of June, the city council agreed to ban the use of chokeholds by police and required officers to report and intervene when they see unauthorized use of force by a colleague. The former US police officer charged with Floyd's murder in the city, Derek Chauvin, appeared in court for the first time on June the 9th. He is charged with second degree murder and second degree manslaughter and the other three officers were charged with aiding and abetting second degree murder and second degree 
manslaughter. So in Buffalo, New York, two police officers were suspended without pay and later charged with felony assault after a video showed them shoving a 75-year-old protester who was hospitalized with a head injury. In Dallas, on June 4th, Dallas Chief of Police Renee Hall implemented a new order instructing police to either stop or attempt to stop another employee when force is being inappropriately applied or is no longer required. And then in the UK, on Tuesday the 9th of June, London Mayor Sadiq Khan launched a diversity commission to investigate which statues should be retained, which ones with slavery ties should be removed, and the new statues to be erected. So these are things to me that show an active effort to actually try and make a change, you know? These aren't things that are going to be, you know, necessarily successful overnight, but at least there's a start actual attempts to make sure that situations like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor don't happen again. The next one is the CNN article and the first thing it talks about is rule changes. The New Jersey Attorney General announced this month that the state will update its use of force rules, the first time it's been updated in almost 20 years. The LA City Council introduced a motion to reduce the city's police department $1.8 billion operating budget and Mayor Eric Garcetti, Garcetti said, excuse me if I'm butchering that name, said he would seek to reduce the budget by up to $150 million. The Minneapolis City Council has made similar plans. Accountability within the police force. Several officers filmed using force against protesters have been released from duty and investigated. School boards and others severed ties with police from Minneapolis and Denver to Portland, Oregon and Seattle. Major school districts across the country are cutting all links to city police departments to institute their own safety measures and hire their own security. Meanwhile, the transit agency in Boston will no longer transport non-transit law enforcement personnel to and from protests. In terms of public life, Confederate monuments have been removed. Some city governments and universities are removing monuments to Confederate leaders, slave owners, or known racists. Walmart stops selling guns and locking up black hair products. The mega chain removed firearms and ammunition from some store floors after several days of nationwide protests. Walmart leaders also said stores would stop locking up black hair products after an activist shared that while products used by white people sat open on shelves, products for black hair were locked in plastic cases. In its statement, the company said most stores didn't lock black hair products up in the first place. Well, now you can make sure it's all of them. Thanks. Physicians, can am I even saying that right? Physician, wow, that sounds really physicians. Oh, I've got it. Physicians, okay, yeah, that's better. Prominent physician groups like the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, and American College of Physicians have declared racism a public health crisis and called for an end to police brutality against black Americans. The group said that the trauma of racism can shorten lifespans and cause chronic illnesses and because police brutality disproportionately occurs against black people, they're more likely to die as a result. Juneteenth has now become a paid holiday. 
Twitter, Nike, Vox Media and more have made Juneteenth, which is June 19th, an official paid holiday for employees. Juneteenth honours the day in 1865 on which, more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas and told enslaved black Americans that they were free. And then in entertainment and sport, NASCAR bans Confederate flag. NASCAR banned the flag from flying at events after Bubba Wallace, the only full-time black NASCAR driver, condemned it. The presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all fans, our competitors and our industry, NASCAR said ahead of a race this week. NFL owns up. Commissioner Roger Goodall said the league was wrong for not listening to players' criticism of racism in and out of the NFL and vowed that moving forward, the NFL would encourage peaceful protest. The NFL also vowed to donate $250 million over the next 10 years to end systemic racism by working with unnamed organisations. Unnamed? Okay and leveraging the NFL network. Sports heavyweights call for an end to qualified immunity. Players across the NBA, NFL and MLB, including Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, sent a letter to Congress asking to end qualified immunity, a legal doctrine that protects police officers accused of violating a civilian's rights. The Players' Coalition, a social justice and racial equality advocacy group founded by NFL players Anakin Bolden and Malcolm Jenkins, said in its letter that the group is demanding accountability for police brutality. Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City also pledged to move funding from the city's police department toward youth and social services. A new database has been set up to collect video footage that documents police violence at the demonstrations across the country. A team of activists, which includes lawyer T. Greg Doucette and mathematician Jason Miller, put together the public spreadsheet, which contains more than 500 incidents of police brutality that occurred at different protests. The Denver police introduced multiple changes to department policy. This includes a requirement that officers notify their supervisors anytime they point a gun at another person. The last thing that I'm going to tell you about from the US is Brianna's Law. The use of the controversial no-knock warrants have been banned in Louisville, Kentucky, where lawmakers named the new ordinance after Breonna Taylor, who was killed in March during a police break-in. Louisville Metro Police shot Miss Taylor eight times during a planned narcotics raid in which cops used a no-knock warrant to enter the emergency ambulance technician's home on the 13th of March. The Louisville Metro Council unanimously voted on Thursday night to ban the controversial warrants that have been condemned since protests against systemic racism and police violence began after the death of George Floyd. Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher announced on Twitter on Thursday night that he would sign Brianna a lot as soon as possible. So that was a really long list but I did it on purpose because I think it's important at this time with the list of how many things are going wrong to also share the amount of things that are not going right so that people can understand that okay this is working, keep going, keep pushing, you know, and that the protesting works, the sharing the information works, sharing your history, learning, everything does work. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of time because there's a lot to, I suppose, undo and improve, but it's a start. 
Okay, so on to the UK. The first thing I read about was that the NHS has launched the NHS Race and Health Observatory, a new independent centre to stimulate understanding and action. The NHS Race and Health Observatory, which will be hosted by the NHS Confederation, will identify and tackle the specific health challenges facing people from BAME backgrounds. The observatory will involve experts from this country and internationally and will offer analysis and policy recommendations to improve health outcomes for NHS patients, communities and staff. This is great because we've seen the statistics or you've heard them on the news about how the BAME community in particular has been, you know, really badly hit by COVID, whether that's people who work in the NHS or not. And hopefully something like this will start to give you some answers and how to better protect them because it's very clear they need more protection. Then the National Autistic Society, um, they have an equality and inclusion plan to make sure they're doing their best for the BAME autistic people they support, their families and any volunteers, forming a racial equality group of staff and volunteers to contribute to their thinking in the area and make sure their new strategies are fully inclusive, dedicating themselves to sharing more stories and working on a series of new national branches. So they've started talking to BAME autistic people and their families about how some of these branches could focus on particular demographic groups only if it would help. What I really like about this one is that they are putting things in place but also asking if they'll actually be helpful. So they're asking, well, the ones that are trying to help in the first place, like, is this actually going to help you? Do we do we need to do this? Which means encouraging listening and conversation. And that is so, so important. I think that's really overlooked in things like this. Yes, the improvements are great, but are you just putting something in there thinking, okay, this will work without actually seeing, okay, asking the, the targeted group that you're trying to help, will this actually make a difference to you? Okay, so the next organization that I'm going to talk about, oh, is it even an organization? Anyway, Anyone who knows me knows I'm a humongous football fan and as a supporter and as a watcher of football, it was amazing to me to see the Premier League like take some really active steps to in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So players take the knee before the start of every game and for the first 12 games, Black Lives Matter was on the back of the t-shirts instead of their names. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold had boots on, on that said Black Lives Matter and then auctioned them off to raise money for the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Sky Sports, BT Sports, like Black Lives Matter is displayed on the screen. They talk about oaths to do better. BT Sports always has like a quote from a player sometimes during the ads. Um, It's been really good and really positive. And I think there have been calls from people for them to stop supporting the movement. And they've been pretty adamant about saying, no, we're going to support our players. And this is clearly something that matters to them. And I think... For the players themselves, which a lot of them are obviously really, really young, but then for their, some of their even younger supporters, that's a really great example to set, I think. And then as well, because I think all of these things have been going on, people have had more confidence to speak out. Recently, before a game, Wilfred Zahao, who is a player, for, an Ivorian player for Crystal Palace, was a victim of racist abuse before a match against Aston Villa. So he posted it on social media and a 12-year-old was arrested, actually. Um, But I think what that showed is that now people feel like, you know what, I can speak up about it. I can't even imagine what it was like for players or anyone who was maybe 
experiencing things like this i don't know like 20 years ago maybe maybe even as maybe even like 10 where they just felt like if i say anything like nothing's really going to happen but it shows that we're getting a conversation started and people are feeling confident and you can see that everyone's like oh like that's not on you know and west midlands police were really really quick obviously i'm guessing instagram helped because it was like um it was like an anonymous account and I think it's also just sparked another conversation about, you know, abuse on social media. Like, you know, people who are just keyboard warriors and, you know, hide behind their screens with an anonymous name. Like, how to prevent things like that of any sort of abuse, to be honest, because the abuse on social media is ridiculous at some point. So a lot of really healthy, important conversations are coming out and starting to happen. And I mean, I feel like it can only really go up from there. Other sports have showed their support, like cricket um, and Formula One. Lewis Hamilton, who's someone who has always been an advocate for more diversity in his sport, has been incredibly outspoken. If we look at other forms of entertainment, Sky, Netflix, and I'm sure other streaming platforms have been promoting TV shows, documentaries, films, talking about, you know, civil rights movement, the black experience. Um, Spotify had a playlist I don't know if it was called Black Lives Matter or not, but essentially it had a whole host of black artists who had already sung in the past about the black experience from our police brutality um, to the new modern ones. And it's really, really good because sometimes for people, music and movies and entertainment is the way to learn. So I think it's really good that they've made these compilations for people to be able to go to and not only entertain themselves, but educate themselves at the same time. So pretty much all of this is to say that all hope is not lost. We're seeing some really good change and I can only hope that it will continue. So I just wanted to add a little bit of positivity because I think, as I said in the beginning, it's so easy to just feel so down about everything that's going on and you turn on the news and something else wrong has gone on. I think it's really, really important to think about something positive and there is a lot of positive to see and it will only get better okay so now i want to do my bit to help out um and as i said what i wanted to do today is talk about stop and search so why you could be stopped and searched what the police are supposed to do and say what your rights are in that situation then if heaven forbid anyone does have a bad experience with the police where you can complain to a police officer has powers to stop and search you if they have reasonable grounds to suspect that you're carrying illegal drugs, a weapon, stolen property, or something which could be used to commit a crime, such as like a crowbar. You can only be stopped and searched without reasonable grounds if it has been approved by a senior officer. This can happen if it's suspected that serious violence could take place you're carrying a weapon or have used one or you're in a specific location or area that was the section 60 in the i think it's criminal justice act that i spoke about last time so um the uk well mostly england and wales are governed by the police and criminal evidence or pace acts of 1984 um for my people in belfast and in scotland it's different legislation like they have different names but it's almost the same there are a couple of nuances but i will go through those at the end but for the most part these apply to all four countries so um for england and wales it's the pace act 1984 and stop and search is actually in the very first part of 
the PACE Act. Um, so it's part one and section one. So section one is about the power of the constable to stop and search. And it says, section one, subsection one, good Lord, says a constable may exercise any power conferred by the section in any place to which at the time when he proposes to exercise the power, the public or any section of the public has access on payment or otherwise as of right or by virtue of express or implied permission or in any other place to which people have ready access at the time when he proposes to exercise the power, but which is not a dwelling. This is one thing that I really didn't like about studying statutes in law school. The language was just never simplistic. Essentially what that means is that if you're in public, they can do it. If you're somewhere that the public has access, even that's where somewhere you pay to get into or whatever, they can do it, but they can't do it in people's houses or any kind of house really um if you didn't know what a dwelling was but i'm sure you do so subsection two says he can search any person or vehicle and anything in or on the vehicle for anything stolen or banned and they can detain a person or the vehicle for the purpose of that search now it's really important to note that like you're not getting arrested it just means detain just means like you're going to be stuck there and they're going to be you have to stay there if they're saying they're stopped and search you like you can't move this is a very different thing to a stop and account where they can just ask you for like your name or i don't know some other information but it's if it's not a stop and search then technically you can just move on and go but for a stop and search you have to stay there um, and then in subsection three, it says they don't have the power to search a person or vehicle or anything in the vehicle without reasonable grounds for suspecting that he will find stolen or prohibited goods. And those reasonable grounds usually have to be based on like some sort of fact or intelligence. You know, it's not just like you look suspicious. Do you get me? Um, then if you're in a garden or yard which is part of a dwelling or any other land used for the purpose of that then the officer has no right to stop and search you unless they have reasonable grounds to believe you don't actually live there or you're there without permission so as i was saying before if it's like a residence or somewhere you live or someone else lives that you've been invited to they can't stop and search you unless they are like no i don't think you live here and you're here without permission do you get me like you're I don't know, breaking entering or whatever. They just don't know you're in there. And that goes the same for if your car is parked in a built in like someone's house or like a garage or something. Do you know what I mean? So if you're, well, I'll just read it. If your vehicle is in a garden or yard, which is part of a dwelling or any other land used for the purpose of that, then the officer has no right to stop and search you or the vehicle, stop and search the vehicle, unless they have reasonable grounds to believe the person with the vehicle doesn't actually live there or you're there without permission if they find anything that they think think is they think if they find anything they think is stolen or prohibited then they can seize it then section two goes on to provisions relating to search under section one and other powers so the the most important bit of section two is subsection two onwards because it tells you what the officer is supposed to tell you when you're stopped and searched. It says if a constable contemplates a search other than a search of an unattended vehicle while using the powers in section one, which is what we just read, they have to take reasonable steps before 
starting the search to bring to the attention of the appropriate person. Now, the appropriate person is, well, you, the person who's being stopped in search or your vehicle is being stopped in search. Um, if the constable is not in uniform, they need to give you like some sort of documentary evidence that they are a constable. Um, and whether he's in uniform or not, it. Oh, this is one thing I also didn't like, right? See what it says. Whether he is in uniform or not, the things in subsection three below and the constable won't start the search until he has done all this. I've never understood why they'll be like, okay, someone has to do the things in this subsection or in this section, right? Why don't you just put them in that place? They always direct you to somewhere else. And I'm just like, why? That just makes my life difficult. But anyway, I'm just complaining. I'm just moaning. But it's just, it's a bit of a melt. You know what I mean? Anyway. So the constable has to tell you their name and the name of the police station they work for, the object of the proposed search, so like why they're searching you or like what are they hoping to find, the constable's grounds for proposing to search you and the effect of, oh my god, here we go again, of section 3, 7 or 8 as may be appropriate. That bit will get onto a section. It's just essentially about if you're stopped and searched and they have to record it and they'll tell you that you can get a copy of this recording. And I don't mean like audio wise, I mean like a written record. Um, but they don't have to bring the effect of section three, seven and eight if the constable thinks it's not practicable to make the, the record, which is in section three, one, oh, which we'll get to right now. So if they search your vehicle while it's un unattended, then the officer has to leave a notice stating that they have searched it, the name of the police station that they work for, state that an application for compensation for any damage caused by the search can be made to the police st station, and they have to state the effect of Section 38, which is just, again, about the recording. They have to leave the notice inside the vehicle unless it's not reasonably practicable to do so without damaging it. <clears throat> So they're allowed to detain you for like how long it really takes to do the stop and search, but they have to make sure that it's like a reasonable amount of time. They can't have you there for a ridiculous amount of time. So do take note of how long it takes. If you're feeling like you've been standing there for too long, especially considering what they've told you that they're looking for, then keep that in mind for afterwards. So the constable is not allowed to require you to remove any of your clothes in public other than an outer coat, jacket or gloves. The stop and search power does not authorise a constable not in uniform to stop a vehicle. So in terms of the the outer clothes things, they can't ask you to take them off. As far as I can tell, they can't like put hands in pockets and stuff like that. But um, it depending on your age... um. And certain, and maybe if you're wearing some sort of religious headcloth or anything, then it has to be someone of the same sex as you if they're trying to search you in that way. Um, and if they want you to remove like a head veil or anything, then they have to take you somewhere private. So the one thing that I think people, it's really important to remember is that they have to be, it is literally imperative that they're incredibly polite. They have to be reasonable about everything. So if at any point they aren't, that is something to take a record of. But um, and don't think that, oh, just because you feel a bit wronged, it's not okay. Maybe it's not worth complaining. It is because they are held to an exceptionally high standard because they have to be. Do you know what I mean? This is scary for the general public. So they're supposed to take every precaution whatsoever to make sure that, you know, you're aware of everything that's going on do their best to keep you calm and you do your best as well 
um, to stay calm because you don't don't give them any kind of ammunition to accuse you of absolutely anything. You can write your own report after, which I will teach you how to do in a second. But take note of these things because they are really, really important in case something does happen to you. So section three is about a duty to make records concerning searches. Um, the record shall state object of the search, grounds for making it, date and time it was made, place it was made, and the ethnic origins of the person searched or the person in charge of the vehicle searched. Um, so the requirement in terms of the ethnic origin, um, you have to state the ethnic origin of the person as described by the person themselves, so you, and if different, the ethnic origins of the person as perceived by the constable. That's just so strange, but anyway. Um, so this is section 3-7, this is what it says. Um, if a record of a search of a person has been made under this section, the person who was searched shall be entitled to the copy of the record if he asks for one before the end of the period specified in subsection 9. I mean, just, I mean, personally speaking, I'm like, just state the time period. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, and I think section 8 is about the vehicle. So, as the time period for England and Wales is three months. From the time of your stop and search, you have three months to ask for that record. And that is essentially really the powers that you have and the police have about stop and search. So I know this is quite a lot of information. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to, first of all, I've put all the articles and like the legislation on my blog. The legislation is a bit heavy and a bit clunky. So what I did was like, I found some other articles, um, basically that are, I've just like put them up as like legislation on my blog. Um, and you just go to the website and it will tell you like a more simplistic version of what the stop and search powers are and how they're going, how they're supposed to be executed. So from my friends in Belfast and anyone else in the North, from what I could tell, the rights are, the rights are pretty similar um, we just have the Peace NI order in 1989 and it's in part two. So it starts with section three instead of section one. Um, the differences are that the officer has to give you their police number as well as their name and police station. Um, and the in the record, it has to state whether anything and if so, what was found and any injuries to the person or any damages resulting from the search. One thing that's different is that there's no requirement for your ethnic origin. Um, and if you want to see the record, you have 12 months from the date of the search. So you have a longer time. I think in Scotland, it's six months you have. Um, so in a stop and search when involving like drugs, there's the Misuse of Drugs Act 1979 not 1979 there's a misuse of drugs act 1971 and that's in section 23 it says if a constable i think it's subsection two if a constable has reasonable grounds to suspect that any person is in possession of a controlled drug in contravention of this act or of any regulations or orders made thereunder, the constable may search that person and detain him for the purpose of searching him, search any vehicle or vessel in which the constable suspects that the drug may be found, and for that purpose require the person in control of the vehicle or vessel to stop it. Seize and detain for the purposes of proceedings under this act anything found in the course of the search which 
appears to the constable to be evidence of an offence under this act. So if they think you got drugs, they can stop you, they can search you, they can d stop and search you, and they can take whatever, I don't know, you're hiding under there. Okay, so Scotland. Before you are searched, the police officer should tell you their name, police number, and station that you are being detained for the purposes of a search, that you do not have to say anything or give the police any information about yourself if you don't want to, the specific law which gives them the power to search you, what they expect to find, such as illegal drugs, a weapon or stolen property, that they'll record information about the search and that you can have a copy of the record of the search if you want one, but if you haven't provided your name, you won't be able to get a copy of the search record. And you have six months. Oh, yeah. You have six months for the copy of the record. So as I was saying, kind of like quite small changes between the countries. But um, the main principles are the same about like the kind of information that you're supposed to get and what you should expect from the police officer who stops you. This is incredibly important as an ethnic minority as a young person as anyone it is so fundamental to know your rights because it's supposed to protect you in a situation like this because if you know what should happen in the back of your mind if something goes wrong then you know that you can complain about it because i mean policemen and women and people are supposed to be law enforcers and if you feel at any stage that something has gone wrong in a stop and search, you know, do your absolute best to try and get through it as calmly as you possibly can. It will definitely be difficult, but, you know, do what you can. And then afterwards, because you know what should have happened, how you should have been treated, then you can complain about it. So complaining... So stopwatch.org, there is a really good, I don't know, document. It's called A Guide to Making Police Complaints About Stop and Search. I mean, literally does what it says on the tin, doesn't it? So it's got like, it's really, really detailed. It's got an introduction and tells you about the system. And there's like a little flow diagram. It's really, really good. Like very user-friendly for some it's something really simplistic that you can use it tells you about your first steps what to expect it tells you like the advantages and disadvantages of lodging a complaint which i think is really important lodging a complaint advantage is the only way in which you can seek to have police officers disciplined for their conduct and the disadvantages is that the police will normally investigate themselves and can be biased now the reason that i like that they've put advantages and disadvantages is that it gives you a chance to weigh up whether you think it's worth it or not to lodge a complaint. Personally, I think it's always worth it because even though they've put the disadvantages here and they are, the police will normally, the biased one, very few complaints result in an officer being formally punished. Complaints may take over a year to conclude. If criminal or disciplinary proceedings are taken against the officer, it can take longer. When responding to a complaint, the officer involved may make allegations about your own behaviour in order to justify their actions, which can be upsetting. And that's why I was saying try your absolute best to stay calm, or even if you can't, if someone is around, I don't know, taking you know, footage of what's going on, if you can find any evidence of that whatsoever, that can really, really help you. Um, and the final disadvantage is giving evidence in disciplinary and or criminal proceedings 
can be an unpleasant experience as you will be cross-examined by lawyers acting for the officers complained about. It can feel like, oh my god, is this ordeal even worth it? But when I read you the advantages, I think you'll see, you can decide for yourself, honestly. Um, so advantages, I'd said about lodging a complaint is the only way in which you can seek to have police officers disciplined for their conduct. The officers you complain about may be formally interviewed. This may make them think about what they've done. Whether your complaint is upheld or not, the process of making a complaint can provide answers to your questions about what really happened. Making a complaint makes your concerns official and a record will be made of those concerns and kept by the police force. Your complaint might help other people making complaints against the same officer to show a pattern of abuse or misconduct. I've always believed in like using the system as much as humanly possible to try and say, look, something that you're doing here isn't right. And it might lead to nothing, but it might lead to something. The link for this um, is on my blog, so you can see it for yourself if this ever happens to you. But um, I think do think about it. Do think about using the system because it can work. Another thing this covers that I really like is common myths about police complaints. So some of the ones that I think are noteworthy are it's not worth complaining. Although not as many complaints are upheld as we would like, some are, especially after an appeal to the IPCC, which is the Independent Police Complaints Commission. Even where a complaint is not upheld, it has still been recorded against the officer and might help to show a pattern if this behaviour is repeated in the future. So for all you know, your complaint could be the one that says, oh my goodness, this man can't work for us or this person can't work for us anymore purely because, I mean, they're just not doing their job properly. The next one, which I think is actually a very big concern for people, is making a complaint might lead to me being targeted by the police in future. It says, although this is often a concern held by those who want to complain, it is not in our experience something that is common. A complaint can, in fact, lead to officers being more careful not to unfairly target those who complain where they are known to police. So, yeah, I mean... I think it would be very silly for them to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you do realise that, then you can complain again. And if there's a second complaint about you, that is a really bad look for them. Um, the next one says, the officer was rude and insulting, but that is not enough to make a complaint. And this is what I was saying earlier about how high a standard the police are supposed to be held to. So police officers are public officials and must meet high standards of professional behaviour. Police officers are under a duty to act with courtesy towards members of the public. If they have been rude or insulting, then they fail to meet that high standard and it is worth complaining. If you decide the complaint system is not for you, then you could still register what happened with the Y-Stop. Y-Stop has produced an app that allows you to register your concerns in different ways without necessarily making a complaint to the police, although it lets you do that as well. If you do not wish to complain to the police, you can still report what happened only to Y-Stop, who monitor incidents with the police and can provide support and advice if follow-up action could be taken. And then they've got the link. For more information, you visit ystop.org slash complaints. So on page eight, it tells you exactly how to make a complaint and there are a number of ways to do it. So you can complete an online form on the IPCC website and it gives you the link to that. You can visit your MP who can help you to make your complaint and you can find out who your MP is on the Parliament website 
or they have a number there that you can call. You can go to the police station to make a complaint in person. This should be the police station of the officer or officers you want to complain about. You can draft your own statement and send it to the Department of Professional Standards at the police force where the relevant officer was from, or you can use Ystop. And the time limit, a complaint must be made to the police within one year of the acts you're complaining about. It can be extended, but only if you've got like really good reasons for the delay. So, I mean, I would say do it as quickly as you possibly can because it'll be fresh in your memory. Um, and because the process can take so long, at least, you know, you've started it and you know that it's in the process, if that makes any sense. It goes on to tell you loads of other things like how you can strengthen your argument, like what actually happens when you make the complaint. It tells you what to include in your account, which is the five W's. Where, like where were you stopped? Can you give an address or describe any nearby landmarks or shops? When were you stopped? The date and the time. What happened? So it says keep things simple and describe what happened in chronological order, starting with what happened first and ending with what happened last. Who was there? How many officers? Were there any other witnesses? And why do you think this happened? Why were you unhappy about what happened? So just like really simple steps that you can use if, heaven forbid, the need ever arrives that you do want to make a complaint about it. So yeah, that is everything con um, concerning stop and search. I tried my best to put this information into kind of, I suppose, as manageable as possible i'm quite confident that everything here is you know as it is and it's right but just in case i like last time on my blog have all the sources with everything you can read it yourself if you really really want to um and then throughout the week on my instagram at amandla.podcast i will be putting up little things um just stating like very simply what your rights are and where they come from when it comes to stop and search just so that you have a written record because like I'm assuming you're not really writing this down anyway so I'm just gonna try and have it somewhere where you can access it anytime and yeah I really hope that you never need to use this but if you do or you know anyone who does I hope that this has been helpful um so yeah that's it for this week thank you so much for listening if you've got to this stage just remember that I know we're going through a really, really rough time right now, but do look for the positives as much as you can. Do see that there is change happening and that it can only go forward from here and we have to make sure that it goes forward. Use this as motivation to say, look, we can do better and we will get better. Um, and then if you're ever stopped in search, you know your rights. You absolutely, I hope you know your rights anyway. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.